This is the Divine Peace Church Rockwall Podcast. Every week, we'll share a message focusing on teaching solid biblical truth in our community. So we'll continue with the sermon. Again, the sermon is based on our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. If you'd like to follow along at home or here, certainly you can follow along on the Pew Bible or if you brought your Bible or some kind of an app from home. We'll begin with this prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So I like clocks. Clocks are cool. I like the ones that are on the big towers. I like clocks that are digital because they're easier to read. Sundials are cool. They've been around for hundreds of years. Most people don't know how to read them, but they're cool. Uh, clocks with the numbers are super helpful. This clock has Roman numerals. So kids, I don't know if you're into clocks like I am. I like clocks because then I know how long I have to wait for something. Uh, a lot of times we have to wait for stuff and we get bored or we get eager, we get anxious. Uh, Roman numeral clock is super difficult because right now the little hand says it's a little past X and the big hand is around IX. So. So it's almost 11 is what that means, if you were wondering. So we have to wait for lots of things in life, but we find it worth waiting for a lot of those things. So we do. We wait hours sometimes at theme parks for a ride or for an experience. Uh, You wait at home for a home-cooked meal. You wait for it to simmer or smoke rather than just getting some cheap thing that's quick from a bag. A lot of times you have to wait days, weeks, months, years, because you're sick or injured and you have to go to the doctor's office or to hospitals. Waiting these days, though, is basically always associated with scrolling. I think we scroll a lot when we have to wait. We scroll through all kinds of things. We scroll to be entertained by videos or pictures. We scroll projects that we send to our spouse. And uh, often there's a shopping list that goes with that, a lot of time commitment, which is okay. Uh, We scroll to all become medical experts on anything and everything that's going on in our lives or the lives of other people. Uh, Again, we like to scroll for shopping lists. We scroll our memories, pictures or videos from the past, things that make us happy, things that help us do that waiting and pass the time. And again, the scrolling's not all bad, but scrolling while you're waiting, can become this bad thing when it is based on a sense of instant gratification or entitlement. Or ironically enough, you're waiting for something and so you're scrolling, but then the other people that you are waiting on are ready, but then they have to wait for you because you're still scrolling stuff and you got really interested in something. So it just spirals then. Scrolling, among lots of other things, tempt us away from faith in God when we have to wait. We're not told how long this woman had to wait. In our gospel reading from Matthew chapter 15, this Canaanite woman, her daughter was demon-possessed, and it says she was suffering terribly. We don't know how long she had to wait and watch her poor daughter suffer. But then we hear that she saw an end to that wait, an end to that suffering. In Matthew 15, we read, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. 
A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. This woman was a Canaanite. She was descended from the nations that God had driven out of the land of Canaan and then given to the people of Israel. She was from an area that we've actually talked about the last few weeks in our Old Testament reading. That area of Sidon was the place that the wicked queen of Israel Jezebel was from. So she's from a place that has a heathen, pagan, a not worshiping the one true God, but worshiping lots of false gods area. That was her heritage. That region of Tyre and Sidon, just to give you some geographical reference, was north of Israel and it was on the Mediterranean coast. So it's actually a super nice area, right? Right there on the Mediterranean, it's very nice. But again, in Mark's gospel too, he confirms this lady was Greek. She was not Jewish, she was not from the tribes of Israel. She was Syrophoenician, which again is probably a term you're not familiar with, which is okay. So Jerusalem was in Judea. North of that was Samaria. North of that was Galilee. And then north of that was Phoenicia. So this lady, again, she was far removed from being from Israel, from being from the tribes of Israel, any of that. And so it would have been culturally striking for this Canaanite woman from a heathen place and being a woman to approach Jesus, who was a man and also a Jewish. It would have been culturally striking for her to go up to him, but her daughter was possessed by a demon. And in the Greek, it's very clear it wasn't just suffering, but suffering terribly. It was extra. And so when Jesus came to town, she's like, he is the only person. I can't do it. Nobody around me. He is the only one who can cure her. So she goes to him. Have mercy on me. And we read, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him. And they urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Now, we're not told whether the disciples wanted her sent away with the request, granted or not. But we do know that they were tired of waiting. Jesus, solve this problem, get rid of the situation so we can move on. And Jesus answers them when they said something. He said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. So after giving this woman the silent treatment, but then talking when the disciples talked, but he talked loud enough for the disciples and her and those others around to hear, he said, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel, the Israelites, the Jews, which would have excluded her as a Gentile and a Greek. And so it seemed that Jesus was not going to help this woman. Now, we don't know how long she waited, but you know how long you've been waiting. You all have a list of things that you have requested, that you wonder about, that you need help with. You have this list that you've been waiting for God to respond to. It seems like he hasn't gotten the list. Maybe you have the wrong email for God. Maybe he's just not checking his email this week. Maybe he's on summer vacation. You get no response. And again, you wonder, is this a silent treatment from God? 
does he just not love me? Is he not powerful enough to do something about it? Or then you really get to the point where you're like, I've been asking for this so long, maybe God just doesn't even exist. You need help from these situations. You need them to improve and not to get worse and have situations added on, but you ask for help and you wait and then nothing happens. Now I'll tell you some of the things that are on your list, God may have sent help and you just haven't seen it. It's possible. There may also be things on your list that you're requesting that God says you don't need those things and so he's not going to send what you're waiting for. We're not going to sit here and we're not all going to share our list and then dissect each one of those things. It's not our purpose for today. Instead, we're going to address our problem with waiting. We're going to get the heart of our problem with waiting. See, when you lose sight of the who, this is when problems come up. So often we wait because we're thinking about the what. And then we're tempted to question whether God is there for us or working for us. So it's all because we have lost sight of who we are waiting on. We're waiting on God. When he doesn't respond, you grow impatient. But you forget that you're waiting for God. You're waiting for his mercy. This wonderful undeserved that he has, this undeserved love that he has for us that he wants to help us. He wants to give us the things that we need. But see, it's our problem is this waiting. And so often we become the Lord of our lives because we know the right timing that God is supposed to have. And so God then really becomes this device and we just scroll through checking off things that we want God to deliver to us. But he's not. It's not one day shipping with God. So we're like... Throw them away. Let's try something else. That attitude separates you from God. That attitude is sinful. Again, you're putting yourself in God's place. And waiting for all of these things on your list. Maybe you don't feel helpful while you're waiting for all these things on your list. Maybe you figured out other ways to get these things and you really don't feel that helpful. But this is the guarantee. The guarantee that is if you in your life are waiting without God, then you wait with sin. And in the end, when you wait with sin, you die. And then you go to hell for eternity. Because you kept hold of your sin and you are without God. So waiting without faith is dangerous. Jesus is worth the wait, though. He's worth the wait. It seemed like Jesus was not going to help this Canaanite woman. She'd come to him, have mercy on me. My daughter, demon-possessed, you're the only one. But she doesn't give up. We continue reading in Matthew 15, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, I'm making a presumption here, but I'm guessing a lot of you are like, that seems really harsh, Jesus. Uh, just to clarify something here. So the dog he's picturing is not like a street mongrel that waits in the shadows to attack and is just clawing through stuff. This is like a tiny dog, like a lap dog. 
that would naturally eat the crumbs that accidentally fell from the table or even not accidentally fell from the table and you were just looking to share with the dog, which none of you probably do. So that's, that's the picture here. So it's not as like insidious as you're picturing Jesus to be in, in his illustration. And two, actually the woman agrees with Jesus' illustration, but she runs with his illustration and it shows her great faith. Yes, it is Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Said so Jesus, he did. He kept this Canaanite woman waiting. But he does so to show her that she had been waiting. Again, we don't know how long, but she had been waiting. Her daughter was demon-possessed and suffering terribly, and she was waiting. And she was wondering, I'm a Canaanite. I am from a heathen, pagan area. I am not an Israelite. I am not a Jew by birth. I am not descended from Abraham. I don't know if I have a place with this Jesus in his, in his kingdom. I don't know if he's going to have mercy on me. And Jesus has her wait, and she gets all of this out and all of this. She's thinking about all these things so that then he can show her that he does care for her, that he is willing to listen to her request, that she is one of those that he will take care of, that she is an Israelite by faith. She is one of his people and part of his kingdom, and he grants her request. And at that moment, by Jesus' power and his great love and mercy, her daughter is healed. He allowed her to wait so she could see all of that, the depth of his mercy for her, and all of the things on her list that she was worried about. And the Canaanite woman, her first words to Jesus showed that she, already, she had faith in him. Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Those are her first words, words of faith. She knew who Jesus was. Not just another one of the traveling rabbis or teachers, but this is the Lord. He is the descendant of David. He is the rightful heir to the throne of Israel, but not just the physical nation of Israel, to Israel. Those who believe, those who are part of God's holy nation that does not just last in this world, but that lasts forever. He's the Messiah, the Christ, the chosen, the promised one. The one who rules all, of, all things. And this is why she appeals to him, and she appeals to his mercy, that desire that he would treat us not how we deserve, but he would give us all of these wonderful things, even though we are sinful, broken people. And she waited confident that he would heal her daughter, and he does. And only one other time in recorded scripture, only one other time does Jesus give this amazing compliment to someone, great faith, you have great faith. And it was to another Gentile, not to another Israelite, but to another Gentile, you have great faith. Now, earlier in Matthew chapter 28, as Jesus sends out his disciples, he does give them a very narrow command. He says, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus wanted to open the eyes of the Israelites, of, of his chosen people, to see that their long-awaited king and savior had come. But Jesus also wanted the world to be saved. He wanted people gathered from all nations to be saved. And this is what we heard in our Old Testament reading. From Isaiah 56, the sovereign Lord declares, 
He who gathers the exiles of Israel. I will gather still others to them, besides those already gathered. Jesus shared and he affirms what Scripture has always said, what God has always wanted, for all people to be saved. And he tells us how he would show his mercy to all people. In John 10, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus takes your list and he crosses, he crosses off sin and death and hell. He crosses off your greatest needs. You're one of his sheep then. He laid down his life to save you. He rose to prove his power that you are saved. He rules all things from heaven for your good. As you wait to see him in heaven, he listens to your requests. He listens to your prayers. He provides you with what you need. Whatever you're waiting for, whatever's on your list, whatever you're waiting for, you always have this good news, that Jesus' mercy, his love, is for all people. Pray then. Pray as one of God's people that's waiting. This Canaanite woman went to Jesus and asked him for something. You get to do the same thing. It's called prayer. It's called prayer. You get to go to God with all of your requests, everything that's in your heart, you get to go to him. And so Jesus then is your reason to stop scrolling while you wait. He is your reason to wait without impatience. He's your reason to not have any questions as you wait, even as you wait through the hardships, because you know he hears. And we have this wonderful encouragement, too, then, from our New Testament reading from Ephesians 2, that we are not these people on the outside wondering if he hears us, if our letters are making it over the borders or things like that. We're not strangers and foreigners, but he says, you're members not just of his nation, but his own household. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. The apostles think New Testament. The apostles recorded the fulfillment of all the things Jesus did that the prophets, I think Old Testament, had spoken of. It's scripture. Scripture points us to Jesus. It is the foundation that his church is built on. And your prayer life flourishes when you better understand God's household that you are a part of. In other words, very simply, Bible study and prayer always, always go together. And so, meditate on Scripture and personal devotion. Read your Bible and attend. Ask questions and listen to the many Bible studies that we offer here. Attend, listen, and apply the weekly sermon to your life. Despite this woman's ethnic heritage, she had faith, and she recognized that she was a true Israelite, that Jesus was her king. She was one of his people. And in fact, the name Israel means struggle. And we hear about Jacob, so this is Abraham's grandson, Jacob's name being changed to Israel in Genesis chapter 32. We read, Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. 
The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob, whose 12 sons become the 12 tribes of Israel, because God changes his name to Israel, struggled with God. In fact, he had wrestled with God all night. He waited all night and would not let God go until he blessed him because he was confident that he is the God of blessing. And throughout Scripture, there are many people who waited for God to bless them. And he does. God always pours out his mercy to his people, and he does it in his time. And sometimes we wait. There's one thing that all of us are waiting for, it's Judgment Day, but God has not brought it yet because of his mercy. God waits to bring about the end of this world because he wants more people to come to faith. That's why he waits. Even though, yes, the world is in chaos and it's messed up and you wonder and why and why, it's because of his mercy. That's why he waits. But as you wait for that day, pray. And trust that God's mercy is for all people. Because you wait for things that are important, but you also wait for who is important. And Jesus, your Savior, came to this world and he laid his life down to protect his sheep, to protect his flock, to help us from the things that we could not overcome. And he rose, and he rules all things powerfully from heaven for our good. And so when we wait with faith in God, we will see the fullness of his mercy in our lives now and in our lives forever in heaven. And God will help you with whatever you need. And so while you wait, pray and give thanks that Jesus' mercy is even for you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Divine Peace Church Rockwall podcast. For video sermon archives, more information, and to let us know how we can pray for or serve you, go to divinepeace.com.